Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, the black and gold standard for Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma and Zach Celedonia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. My name is Joe Kuzma, and looky, looky, who's here? Uh, in an undisclosed location, uh, like everything's changed. One, Zach Flash, Celadonia. It's been a minute, my friend. How you doing? Ah, uh, great. How am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> fantastic, man. We got the playoffs in the in the upcoming uh, horizon here. Yeah. Hey, uh, playoffs, playoffs. <laughs> we were just saying this off- offline. I think it um, bears just bringing out. Uh, immediately you were saying it was happy Gilmore right it's the Adam Sandler deal with he's like I don't know who posted it it's out there on social media and he's like he's screaming at his girlfriend and it's like just leave just leave no I, I didn't mean it I didn't mean it and it was go um, go who needs you <laughs> who cares I'm just kidding baby I'm so sorry you know you're my world and that was like the tagline of that was like Steelers fans with Mike Tomlin <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true, man. So you no, I got to give you all the credit in the world because you just said something right before we were on. And I was like, this is why we try not to talk before we start recording, because then we forget the things we were going to talk about and it gets all jumbled and disorganized. But um, man, Mike Tomlin and consistency. I, I had a memory on my um, I'm going to pull this up. It was on Facebook from last year and it said there was only one game that Mike Tomlin's ever coached where the Steelers were actually eliminated while playing that game. They were already eliminated from playoff contention. One game. And what? how, how many has he coached so far? I'm going to – let me find this. Um, it, it's hard to believe. In a regular season, he has coached 275 games. And there was only one game where the Steelers have ever been just – out of it that game didn't mean anything so i understand there's like the memes that are floating around that's like oh well he's only won this many playoff games or they only they needed help like eight times out of 15 years or whatever well look how many times they made the playoffs in all of those various uh seasons how many times they've won the division five times and not only that they're in a division. This isn't like the New England Patriots who are ready to get rid of Bill Belichick now because guess what? The Bills and the Dolphins have caught up. Those teams were perpetually bad. This isn't like you were in, let's say, the NFC North where the Packers should with like Detroit Lions teams that are bad, Bears teams that are bad. It should just like always be like a shoe in to win their division, get in the postseason, et cetera, et cetera. We're talking about Baltimore Ravens who won a Super Bowl about 10 years ago that are always in contention. They've got an MVP-level quarterback. You've got the same in Cincinnati when Joe Burrow wasn't hurt. They were just in, what, two AFC championship games, basically. They were just in a Super Bowl recently. And this is what the Steelers have to contend with. So for all the people who like to go around and throw toss around the term mediocre Mike, this is a hell of a job this season to get into the postseason. I know he limped in with some help. There's some things, but you only if you face the opponents, you face what's put in front of you. He's done it with three different quarterbacks, about 15 safeties and inside linebackers. So uh, it's it's pretty incredible uh, looking at it. And like you said, it's not a fluke. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, like most things are in sports. And you don't want to, 
let yourself get complacent. You don't want to accept mediocrity, which is the term that gets associated with Tomlin so often. But there is something, too, when you hear other fan bases talk about how lucky Steeler fans really are. And um, I, I think if you are trying to give an honest evaluation of the job Mike Tomlin does year in and year out, the truth is somewhere in the middle between, like, he's a phenomenal coach and the they're accepting complacency argument. I personally, for the longest time, have always been extremely appreciative. And I've said every year, I'm so thankful to be a fan of a team that every single year, every single game counts for something. Like you just highlighted, there's been one game in 275 games that means nothing to Steeler fans. The games always mean something. And do you want more? Obviously, you want more. You want a Super Bowl every single year. But I think Tomlin's been so consistent for so long the waters have kind of been muddied over time of like people using it as a negative thing that we never have a losing season that we're always in playoff contention. Like, yeah, you want more, but you should appreciate those things, especially this year. I've never been closer to that side of, you know, maybe Tomlin should move on. I, I was using the stale word. Everybody loves talking about stale. It's stale. Andy Reed's a name that gets thrown around a lot because Andy Reed, left the Philadelphia Eagles as a rather successful coach and went on to find success with the Chiefs because things just ran stale in Philadelphia. I get all of that, but this year, when you were so close to actually being a bad team and actually being out of it, I mean, the Steelers were left for dead four or five weeks ago uh, when Kenny Pickett went down and Mitch took over. Nobody saw us making it to this point, except Mike Tomlin, probably. And... A couple of things bounced his way. That's how football goes. The ball bounces your way. You get a couple lucky breaks, a couple lucky calls. But when you do it this consistently and this often, year in and year out, it goes from luck to skill. Um, I don't think Tomlin planned this year to go exactly as it did. It didn't go to a T how he wanted it to go. But the end result, where you find yourself now is a place where only the upper echelon of the NFL gets to be. And that's the playoffs. And if you get in the dance, you get a chance. And in years past, when we had the corpse of Big Ben playing quarterback, there was something different about getting into the playoffs those years where you didn't feel as inspired. You, you felt good about checking that box of getting to the dance. But this year, something about the way the team finished and the way the offense finished, the way the Mason Rudolph is throwing the ball and commanding the offense, the way the defense has come together in spite of all of the injuries, it just feels different this year. And I, I think this could be the season that Tallman gets that monkey off his back where he'll be able to check off a playoff win, possibly do more, but I'm, only speaking for myself when I say this, of course, but I haven't felt this good about a playoff team, Steelers team, since since we hosted the Jaguars back when we still had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Yeah, dude, um, definitely. That season still sticks in my craw. I was like, they finally had the killer bees. They finally had Martavis Bryant in a playoff game. And then it fell off from there. And a lot of people got to this mediocre, not winning playoffs, didn't win with the killer bees. That thing, like, that drives me crazy, like, to no end because they only had Bell 2016. That was the first time he was actually in the postseason. 
He got hurt. They had to play like Ben Tate. They had to play D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams gets hurt. And they were still like, they were still winning games, but it was like a wild card game, a divisional game. Uh, you know, I remember going up to the Broncos and Fitz Toussaint uh, fumbles and just absolutely, that was a, that was a killer, you know? And then one of the worst people, moments of my life. Yeah. And they say, well, he had all this talent. Well, he didn't have it on the field. And unfortunately you're heading into that same direction right now into the postseason. People are going to try and remember, oh, he had all of this talent. Well, let's look at throughout the year. I mean, this goes to we're doing a po we're finally doing a post game show for the first time in like a month because of all the holidays and everything like that. So let's not be remiss that the Steelers had to get business done. They win a, I'd say a sloppy game, an ugly game. It's 17 to 10, but it's the conditions that made it ugly. And I think the conditions, regardless if it would have been all of the Raven starters out there or not would have definitely had a factor in this. And then when you, when you have like that kind of miserable weather and people, and there's still people that were holding things against Mason. We'll talk about Mason a little bit. Uh, you know, a fumble here or whatever. Did, did they notice like the first drive? Like literally, like if you were paying attention to this game, you're watching the same game I am. They went from like doing like the little halfback pitch toss to like literally like putting it right in the dude's chest in both hands. Like there were four hands on the football at the exchange. And it was like this delayed, like everything. And it was delayed too, because the field was like, just like an ice skating rink. You could see like both sides of the line are trying to like set. And everything was just like this pause delay as you're wa watching through this blurred screen. It's a mess because of like all the rain, uh, just miserable conditions. And yes, but I had uh, three heart attacks on the first drive because you had <laughs> Najee bumble the, or Najee fumble the snap or the snap, yeah. the handoff. Yeah, Jalen Warren dropped that toss, and Mason Rudolph almost threw a pick. It went right through the guy's hands. Yeah. So on the first drive alone, there were three almost turnovers, three heart attacks for your boy. And that was really that's the only bad throw that Mason's had. In, in even in these conditions, over the last three games, Mike Tomlin, uh, there'll yeah. be a lot of criticism about not playing Mason sooner, but I mean, just look at the job that he's done with what he's had to do. This Ravens game, even though the Ravens were uh, playing their backups, they were playing Steelers backups. Mason's quarterback, QB3, okay? On defense, and this is tragic that they lose TJ Watt during this game, and looks like he would probably will not be available for a week or two at best if he could heal up fast enough. I know he's going to want to be out there, put a prosthetic leg on him, whatever be the case. It's a huge, huge deal to talk about when we look ahead to the Buffalo Bills, but TJ wasn't out there for full participation. Minka Fitzpatrick hasn't been out there. They lost Keanu Neal as a, star, a starting uh, strong safety earlier in the year. Demonte Casey takes his spot and is suspended. Trenton Thompson is like a fill in there. And then he was hurt too. And Elijah Riley got hurt too. And it's like, they're throwing Eric Rowe out there, like off the streets. You're moving Patrick Peterson to a position he's never played before, which I think they might find a new calling for In fact, both of those guys deserve some hats off attention. I think because as you do move to Buffalo and you get Casey back off of the suspension, you get Minka Fitzpatrick back healthy and then you still have Peterson and you still have death row. I'm, I'm going to like leaning towards he used to start Eric Rowe next to Minka Fitzpatrick and then have KZ revert back to his third safety role or Patrick Peterson play like a big slot, maybe some corner duty splitting with Levi Wallace. That's going to be huge for the Steelers going forward, but let's not pretend like the Ravens. There's Michael Walker, miles Jack off the couch. Um, 
Landon Roberts was like, you know, like on one wheel out of like yeah. four that he's been hurt. So I don't want to like everybody be like, oh, well, they beat the Ravens and they snuck in because they're playing a bunch of, and they play what's in front of them. And they beat that Ravens team before. In fact, if it wasn't for Matt Canada in his last game as OC, not being able to get like 15 yards for a Chris Boswell trying Cleveland, they would have ran the table here 6-0 and in the AFC North, which is just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, that shouldn't be belittled. The, the division record is huge. And I, I went on a tangent earlier there about how I feel better about this team in the playoffs than I have Steelers teams in the past being in the playoffs. I will say, obviously, losing T.J. Watt kind of puts a damper on that feeling. Definitely, I don't want to say it ruined the playoff seeding for me or it made me feel less good about the win, but it is in the back of your mind. It's obviously a huge loss. The Steelers do have the best edge depth they've had probably throughout T.J. Watt's entire career. Nick Herbig making plays all season long. Marcus Golden's no slouch. So I think for a game or two, they could get by, but when you're losing your best player, that that's a huge, huge loss. And when it's someone of TJ Watt's caliber, the yeah. only player to lead the NFL in sacks for three different seasons ever, it's a huge loss. And but you, you want to think that they'll be able to they'll be able to overcome because this season in particular, we've grown accustomed to it. I feel like we've seen plenty of seasons where we've lost are starting middle backers or starting safeties and the defense have, has just gone to complete shit. But this year through luck and through scouting and, and who knows what else they've been able to stumble upon not one, not two, but a bunch of guys who've come in off the couch and performed very well for the Steelers. Miles Jack, this version of miles Jack is better than the first one we got. Yeah. And Michael Walker has been playing really good. All things considered, he hasn't been perfect, but he's been good. Eric Rowe's been incredible. Eric Rowe, he's the guy that went under the radar to me as they were filtering these guys in and out, these free agents and these practice squad guys. He's one of the ones that kind of snuck by that I more or less forgot about. I remember having a conversation with a friend before the um, the Bengals game, and they were asking me who was starting at safety. And I was like, I, I, for the life of me, I can't remember who was starting because I just totally forgot about Eric Rowe. But he's been great, and he's been a journeyman. Uh, Dolphins, Patriots, but when you look at his career, his most successful and longest stint anywhere was with the Patriots. So I know they're terrible right now, but when he was there, they were still winning Super Bowls. And that tells me that he did enough to impress one of the hardest guys to impress, Bill Belichick, and played a major role for those Patriot teams. He's a very heads-up player. He's got good ball skills. He seems to be in position a lot to make plays on the football uh, over these past few games, he's been great. Trenton Thompson was great before he got hurt. So you can't blame fans like you and I for having belief and having hope in this team and possibly winning a playoff game without TJ Watt because they've already lost like more or less three, four, five starters on defense and they haven't missed a beat. Totally. Uh, I totally agree with you. And like, you know, last year with in Miami, Eric Rowe wasn't looking, you know, specifically too hot um, during the course of the season. 42 uh, solo tackles uh, for combined 56, four tackles for loss. He got to the quarterback twice. 
in just the, and that's over the course of like, he's playing like 59, 29, 64, 10, 21, 23. Okay. So then he was inactive 77, 75, 90, 95, 66%, 80, 87, 57. That's a lot of snaps. We're talking 50 ish, 60 ish snaps per game, at least for the second half of his season last year. He's already like almost there. He's got 22 solo tackles in yeah. three games with the Steelers. He's got about, oh, let's bring up. Uh, I like how you call him Death Row, too. I like that. that that's yeah. A good Who got that? Uh, I think Nick Farabaugh was the oh, one okay. that, that, that got, got that. Uh, someone got the question. And then uh, Cam Hayward said, I don't understand how this dude isn't on a team. Like, how yeah. can he not be signed? And Steelers just get lucky. So here's the bats with Joe. Uh, 22 solo tackles. So he's already 20 off of what last year's were. And he has a tackle for loss. And of course he has a turnover too. Um, that's some, uh, I I would start looking at this guy for, you know, he's, he's 31. It's like, it's not the youngest age, but Demonte Casey's in that same group. I mean, obviously Patrick Peterson's a little older, but usually the safeties, you know, they're playing off ball or a little, I think they could get away. This guy might have a little left in the tank. We didn't Weddle play until 33, I think. Something uh, like that. That sounds right. And um, yeah. you got that call up to couch to play for the Rams in the Super Bowl, too. So yeah. I, don't know how old he was when, I don't know how old he was when they called him to do that. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. He was 36 Damn. when he did that two years ago. I know, right? So he played to 34. He was off an entire year. He didn't play in 2020, the COVID year. Did not play for anyone. I know. Isn't that wild? So, you know what else is wild? Um, some other math that I want to do real quick. TJ, you mentioned TJ White. Yes, he's a game record. I do feel a lot better about potential depth with Golden and Herbig. Herbig's a dude. Uh, when he came into the game against Seattle, I was just like, look out. And there it was. And he's got that same, he's got that same like potential, at least where Golden is a veteran, uh, a veteran player. I think they match up well with Buffalo. Like Kansas City. I'd be like, mm, I mean, I understand both quarterbacks are excellent, but you talk about the run game for Buffalo. They really tried to lean on that. They're trying to get that going because it usually isn't working for them. I think Joey Porter Jr. can match up against Stefan Diggs. And then if you got the bodies that we were just talking about in the secondary, like Minka, Rowe, Casey, Peterson, these guys would match up good with guys like uh, Knox and Kincaid. So I, I feel better about that than trying to shut down Travis Kelsey. So uh, there was still like, there was some weirdo way that if that game ended in a tie uh, with the way, cause it kept saying Buffalo or Miami or Pittsburgh and then at Kansas city or with, I was like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. And, and all the ends out there that were bitching about Peacock and it being an exclusive game. You don't have to worry about that now. So you don't have to pony up an extra $5 if you don't live in Pittsburgh to watch a game that's, you know, people that get on that is just like, do you not pay to have ESPN? Like, do you not pay to have Amazon Prime? Or you at least go to the bar. You go to the bar and spend money on wings. You're probably spending more on a beer and wings than getting Peacock. So anyways, that's my soapbox. Um, let's yeah, talk no, about I get it. I, people just hate yeah. change, man. People hate to adjust and evolve. And I get it as much as anybody. I don't like change either, but... This has been going on in the NFL for years. So it's funny because when they announced that there was going to be a Peacock exclusive game, my mind immediately went to like all the older Yinzers in the area, like freaking out. And, like <laughs> Your dad. It, it probably went from going to bed to watching the game last night because we were already in the playoffs, but the focus shifted from the Steelers being in the playoffs to the Steelers not being on Peacock. 
Yeah, I know, right? Um, I I don't know. I didn't want the Saturday game. It gives them a little. I know they're gonna have to travel. It gives them a little bit yeah. more time for any questionable uh, guys that need to heal up. I was like, so this is good as a seventh seed to not have to play a Saturday night game in zero degree weather in Kansas City, which you know, been there, done that. Um, yeah, I'm pretty I, scarred from the last Kansas City game. I mean, we had that really really fun first quarter when yeah. TJ Watt scored the first touchdown, but. I talked about this in group chats with my friends and with my dad and other people. And I waffled back and forth throughout the day after the um, Titans won for us, which how about Terrell Edmonds, by the way, Terrell Edmonds having a big day for this. Yeah. Steelers big the day. Bring him Help back. Too. The, I, we always knew he was good. <laughs> no, <laughs> I waffled back and forth all day. My instinct actually at first thought was I'd rather play the chiefs because they just haven't been the same Chiefs team all year. I feel like everybody as an NFL fan base collectively was waiting on that shoe to drop. We were all waiting for the Chiefs to look like the Chiefs again. And they just haven't all year long. Travis Kelsey looks old. Patrick Mahomes looks frustrated. Their defense is pretty solid. And they still got Andy Reid. So there's always that chance they can recapture that magic. But they were my first choice. But as the day went on, I thought more and more about it. And I thought more and more about the chiefs already kind of having that mental edge over us after beating us in the playoffs before the chiefs the arrowhead. You don't want to play in the Bills stadium either, but arrowhead is one of the toughest, toughest places to play. Not that bills mafia is going to make it very easy on Steeler fans, but you also have Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen, as we saw versus the Dolphins, he's he's almost a shoe in to toss you one or two on defense. Might get more. Um, he threw the Dolphins two red zone picks last night. And that one touchdown, I'm sorry if people aren't following this right now, but the one touchdown the Bills scored last night should have been a third interception for Josh Allen. But it bounced up in the air, and his receiver made a miraculous, uh, it was like catching a punt over his shoulder. And he yeah, I was going to say like an alley-oop. <laughs> so like you know when you factor all those things into it i guess yeah you'd rather play the bills so i don't think it could have gone any better for the steelers this past week outside of the tj watt injury yeah and tj watt should be defensive player of the year i'm tired of hearing the miles garrett crap tj watt leading the league with 19 sacks on the season um, who's his primary competition miles garrett and michael parsons uh i believe so because even despite like trey hendrickson being up here on the list josh allen khalil mack daniel hunter max crosby oh there's miles garrett's name he's somewhere down here with just 14 and i know he was sitting or whatever i've got some interesting uh thoughts about some of this too the browns would be at home right now if not for joe flacco not miles garrett yeah so i yeah. think if you're talking mvp most valuable player that should eliminate Miles Garrett because he's had a very, very quiet past four or five weeks of the season. It's been the Joe Flacco show there in what? in Cleveland, not the what? Miles Garrett show. Yeah. Whereas in Pittsburgh, TJ Watt is responsible for a lot of the Steelers' success up until the final game. You can't say the same for Miles Garrett. Uh, the Cowboys, I'll admit, whenever they're on, I watch, but I'm not like as locked in on evaluating them as I am the Steelers and the Browns. I know Michael Parsons is a hell of a player and he moves around the whole defense and um, he's viewed as like a generational talent, but 
you can say the same thing about Dallas as you do the Browns. It's more so their offense that got them in the position that they are in. The Dallas offense has been gangbusters all year long. CeeDee Lamb's been on a tear. Dak Prescott's had his best season. So if you're talking MVP, TJ Watt. Yeah, I'm definitely in the TJ Watt camp. And here's uh, some more reasons why. Let's see. You got uh, TJ's got um, two more tackles for loss. He has eight passes defense to Garrett's two. He has an interception. He has four forced fumbles, and three of those recovered. One for a touchdown where Garrett, uh, where Garrett has, well, Garrett has four forced fumbles, but only the one recovered. So it's about the only area he's still um, in. In I'd say competition there. Solo tackle wise, Garrett has 33 solo tackles to TJ Watts, 48. And of course, only 14 sacks to 19. Uh, 17 tackles for loss, whereas Watt has 19. Uh, I love that Dale Lawley's been jumping on this too because he goes, what is uh, pass rush win rate? It's like, who determines this? You know, there is a statistic that's used for defensive players, and it's called sacks, <laughs> you know, and but that's just uh, that's only like one part of it, though. Right. I, I think I think I saw the Garrett. I'm going to double check this so I'm not wrong, but I did compile something else that's very shocking, very telling about Miles um, Garrett and his play through the later part of the season. And I was going to do the last eight games. I only did four. But for this particular season so far. Uh, he's only had one sack since the game they played against the Steelers. That was on November 19th. So one, two, three, four, five straight games without a sack. And then he had one sack against the Jets and whatever hapless bum they put out there to play as quarterback with their porous offensive line. I'm going to hear how they get, how he gets held, how he gets double team. Uh, yeah. TJ Watt does too. The thing is too, I really want to see this. I might be talking out my ass. I don't know. But when I used to do these type of things, yeah, they do play sort of two different positions. They're both edge rushers. One's a defensive end. One, you know, one guy's hand is in the dirt. One guy's standing up. I get that. But TJ will drop back into pass coverage a hell of a lot more than Miles Garrett will. So he doesn't always have the same number of opportunities to just, you know, get after the quarterback. Just that's all like Khalil Mack ever does. Get mm -hmm. after the quarterback. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, that used to be the knock I used to have when everybody was against Bud Dupree. I was like, Bud Dupree's dropping back like 20, 20, 25% of the time uh, in Keith Butler's defense. So here's my telling statistic of Miles Garrett. Okay. 28 games. So these guys both enter the league at the same time, right? 2017. Um, yeah. Miles Garrett, number one overall, TJ 29th or something, 30th, something like that, right? I didn't do any games where, you know, TJ or Miles were inactive. Miles was suspended in 2019. Guys sit like Miles Garrett sat yesterday. TJ Watt will, has sat before in the past, you know. So you have uh, Miles Garrett, last four games of the year, just the last four that they, that they were active in in any season. Over, that is 28 games. TJ Watt has 25 and a half sacks. In those 28 games, Miles Garrett has 12 and a half. Not even half. This just disappears. And I, I'm going to, I maybe even put money on it. If I bump this out to eight games, that number is going to look a lot like this is almost like one every other game or not even right. 12 and a half or TJ's almost one in every game is 12 and a half. That would be, if you doubled that up, it'd be 25 games. That's 28 games. 
Yeah. I think that percentage even drops further if I were to uh, put the mic microscope on Miles Garrett there. So kind of putting a lot of things in here. We want TJ to be defensive player of the year, at least as a consolation prize if he doesn't get to play in the playoffs. I know he's got to be like just totally pissed off at this injury. And it's not, not new. This is why Baltimore sat their players. It's sloppy conditions. People are getting hurt, flying around. Um, so uh, the actual game itself. Give me a second here. I need something to drink, brother. <laughs> what do you think about Miles Garrett <laughs> in this well, whole argument? I think those numbers are really telling because a lot of the people that want to discredit TJ Watt or act like he isn't as good as his numbers say they are, yeah, there are times where TJ Watt gets hustle sacks, meaning the quarterback runs around back there and TJ Watt chases him down over time and, and gets the sack number. Doesn't always win with like, the sexiest pass rush move. Sometimes he wins with effort in his motor. But those arguments, they're all so baseless to me because at the end of the day, he's still getting the sack. And you want to talk about how he drops back in coverage way more than Miles Garrett. So if so facto, TJ Watt has way less opportunity to get these sack numbers, and he still towers over Miles Garrett in the sack department. So the people that want to discredit them or call them not real sacks or not as impressive as the pass rush win rate. Well, at the end of the day, what are you playing for? Results, results and wins, sacks. TJ Watt has that. I think this is another part of it. I think if Miles Garrett wasn't on the Browns, you might not have so much of this Miles Garrett, TJ Watt discourse. So many of these yeah. arguments, it's because they are forever linked, not only because of their draft class, because they're viewed as two of their franchises right now, best players, but over the history of their franchise some of the best players in franchise history not only the best players right now so if miles garrett played for like the cardinals or the cowboys or the chargers i don't think it would come up this often but because you got him in the browns fan base and you got tj watt in the steelers fan base this argument will never cease but to a sane person it's pretty clear tj watt is the better all-around football player of the two Miles Garrett is a physical freak. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's super, super, super good. You can say all that while also admitting TJ Watt is the better all-around player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I <laughs> Garrett doesn't lead like in any of these metrics. Like, give it to Max Crosby or somebody. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? I just, I, I don't. If Max Crosby and Miles Garrett like switched places, people would argue about Crosby and uh, TJ Watt the way they argue about Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. I really do think it's like heavily influenced on the fact that they're, they're division rivals. You don't have anybody else like that. Like the rest of the elite edge rushers are Max Crosby, Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons. Like they, they don't intertwine as much as TJ Watt and Miles Garrett do. Yeah, totally. And one other thing I was going to try and bring up here as soon as I get it, the regular season meetings between the Ravens and the Steelers have been uh, fairly one-sided, to be completely honest. I was actually kind of surprised to see this myself. We're seven and one, that, right? The last, well, over the last fourteen, the Steelers uh. are ten and four. And if you go, if you go and look at some of those games in 2019, that loss, uh, both of those losses. One of those is Duck Hodges throwing uh, three picks. That was um, the later one on December 29th. 
that 28 to 10 loss. 26-23 is the one where Mason got like his head taken off and they had to remove his face mask. Uh, and he gets knocked out and Juju ends up fumbling, gets the ball punched out by Marlon Humphrey. Otherwise, like you got at least one of those there was winnable. They're very close games. 16-14 back uh, in 2022. So last year, uh, you know, they're very, very um, close games. And that first meeting too, what? Kenny Pickett ends up getting uh, knocked out and Mitch had to play too. That's just, you know, I understand some of these Baltimore was probably playing, uh, not playing Lamar Jackson on a couple of these also, but you know, you're handicapped anytime you're playing Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback. That that kind of goes back around to, you know, Mason Rudolph. And why was Mitch Trubisky playing first? And what's the status of Kenny Pickett? I know you're going to have a lot to say about this for the offseason. We get some bonus football before we actually have to dig into some of these topics. Um, Mike Tomlin, his coaching job, it comes full circle. He has to make a tough decision here because, you know, he has to answer. He's got a general manager. He's got ownership to answer to, and you are paying a quarterback. What's Mitch making these days around 10? He was going to make 10 million this year and they extended Too much. Him. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It can be 20 bucks per hour. Too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why are you not playing the guy that we're paying all this money to? So some of the business end of this, some of the po political end of this. But the second thing is, is like, do you, you call the same plays for Mason Rudolph that you call for Mitch Trubisky. A large portion of the playbook, yeah. I mean, all the run plays, half of the play, half of what you're going to put in the game plan probably doesn't change at all. You tried to run Mason on a bootleg. One worked, one didn't. Like Connor Hayward was out there. Leaks out. Uh, Mitch's cap number dropped from 10 to 6 for 2023. He's still one of the higher paid people. Uh, that are out there as far as uh, backups next year. He's got seven and a half at 8.3. If they um, end up uh, letting him go, they'll get about, they'll eat about what did I say about 7 million and they'll save about 9 million. You could almost worth it. Worth it. Nine's more than seven. Do it yesterday. Do mm -hmm. it now. Give that money to Mason. Yes. And so then there's all the talk, you know, Kenny Pickett, he loses his job to injury. And it's really hard to evaluate what Kenny might have done in this same spot. But, man, Mason Rudolph, you know I've been a Mason Rudolph truther forever. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> is that light, am I, is that stating it lightly? <laughs> I no, mean, man, I almost never got on the show. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel really good for him. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, like, I almost feel like I'm, like, watching a movie and I want to, like, shed some tears because I just feel like at that post, the post games and you just see like, he knows at any week, this could be over. It's the nut for Longley, Right. But he, man, he protected the football. I understand that, you know, it wasn't pretty. The conditions were bad. We just talked about the guys that were putting the ball on the ground. So the Baltimore, you had Gus Edwards, put the ball on the ground. You had Melvin Gordon put the ball on the ground. I mean, it was just sloppy conditions. So I'm not really trying to hold that, but there's still people that are going to be naysayers. They're still not sure if he could be a full season starter. But right now, like Mike Tomlin had to make this decision to, we have to shut this down and we have to completely change this and turn this around quick. You got to understand that Mason's running scout teams. It's a, um, basically imitating whoever the upcoming opponent's going to be. He's not running the Steelers offense and practices. And when they do get some reps, he was talking about, you know, you're just taking some mental ones because Kenny's going to take, you know, let's say there's 10 snaps or 10 reps for whatever 
given thing that they're doing in practice. And Kenny's probably taken like seven or eight of those and Mitch might get like two and there's none left for Mason or Mason gets like one. Yep. And when he's getting those, he's getting, he's, he's throwing the ball to guys that are, you know, on the practice squad or something too. You know, he's not throwing necessarily to Deontay Johnson or, so it's just incredible to see how in sync and how in charge of all of this he is. Cause even Brian said this on like the last show. Did you, I like, I'm expecting like, okay, it can't be worse than Mitch Trubisky. Um, Walking around yesterday, bumping into a lot of Steelers fans, asking me my opinion. And, you know, they said, you know, we were spoiled. One guy says, we're spoiled with Big Ben. We were expecting Mason to be Ben Roethlisberger. He's not Ben Roethlisberger. Nobody's Ben Roethlisberger. But we'd also, like, overlooked a lot of things with Ben. Ben was, like, maybe throwing. He would throw two touchdowns. He would have the games where he threw a lot. But you mentioned at the beginning, when they went to Kansas City, they had no offense. They sucked. Like, they were still trying to figure out. They had no identity. And it looks like they have identity now. Najee yeah. Harris needs to be given credit alongside this resurgence with Mason being able to push the ball downfield, being able to not turn the ball over. Um, Mason. The run game's been incredible. The run game's been, I, I say this yeah. without hyperbole. I think we have the best one two punch in the NFL. Thunder and lightning, smash and dash. What Jalen Warren and Najee Harris have done these past few weeks cannot be understated. It is all related, though, because the fact that Mason's able to push the ball down the field on a consistent basis with confidence and keep the defense honest only helps the running game because as a result, you have to plan for the quarterback, play action, throwing the ball deep. The boxes are lighter. And I know this was a Tom, a Mike Tomlin love fest at the beginning of the show. I will say this to critique Tomlin, and I'm going to stick with this. Throughout training camp this year, Mason Rudolph was arguably the best quarterback of camp. Now, you heard that through reports. Saw that yourself in person at practice, during team reps, during one-on-ones. Mason looked like you could at least argue that he was the best quarterback of camp. Now, there's no way they're going to come out and start him over Kenny Pickett in Kenny Pickett's second year being a first-round pick. Also, because Kenny didn't really have like a bad camp. He had a good preseason, so no reason to make that extreme Correct. of a choice in year two of Kenny Pickett. However, Mitch Trubisky lost his job last year. He came in and played decent against the Panthers when we needed a win and Kenny was concussed. But when you're in a position like Mike Tomlin is and you have as much control and as much say with the roster construction and you're close with the Roonies and Omar Khan, like you're a very close-knit, tight group. Why was there not a conversation about, guys, Mason's the best quarterback in camp. Let's get rid of Mitch. Save the money. Get rid of Mitch. Make Mason the immediate two going into the season. And if Mason starts those games against the Cardinals, or Kenny got hurt there, if he comes in for Kenny during the Cardinals game, plays against the Patriots, that could have been two more wins. And we wouldn't have been in this stressful situation heading into week 18 of the NFL season. I do think Tomlin, the Roonies, Omar Khan, all three of them, I think they dropped the ball going into this season because. It wasn't any secret. I feel like everybody was talking about that one way or another through training camp. Like, hey, Mason Rudolph's having a really good camp, like the best camp of all three quarterbacks. So they had their chance there to make a move and make Mason the two going into the season, which would have potentially made them look bad about Mitch Trubisky and giving him that contract. But flip side of it, you actually would have saved some face because you're going to be hard-pressed to find people in this town who would have stood on the table for Mitch to remain on the roster. Sometimes you just got to take your lumps, take your loss, 
eat the money and move on. So that's a mistake they they made, I believe, firmly, is that they could have fixed this a little bit earlier and made Mason the two from the jump because we're seeing it live time now. He is seizing his opportunity and playing extremely well. I, I don't blame Tomlin or whoever is calling the shots now uh, for rolling with Mason last week and for assumingly, probably, hopefully, rolling with Mason into the playoffs. He's earned that right. He's playing as good as you could ask Mason Rudolph to play. He's playing the best ball of his career. That's another thing. I am very happy for people like you and other Mason Rudolph fans who never gave up <laughs> on the kid. But I look at it like I look at it like a comedian nowadays, where he'll have like a joke of his dug up or something he said dug up from like 2010, 2009, and people want him to apologize for it because it's just like offensive now or not viewed as funny. Mason Rudolph is my version of like 2010 comedy where when I didn't like Mason Rudolph and I thought he sucked, it's because he wasn't good. If I can admit that he's gotten better, I feel like the supporters and the people who never gave up on him should also be willing to admit he's gotten better. Like I can sit here with a straight face. I'm smiling, but I can sit here and tell you I am standing on the fact that I did not think he was good when he was younger. He went through shit, but there was a reason why the Steelers didn't retain him. He came back. People forget that, but he left and came back this past year. He is better now, and I can totally admit that. Like, he gives us the best chance to win right now. I wouldn't take him out if I was calling the shots. I love the confidence he's playing with. His arm is still there, very strong arm. He's got good chemistry with the receivers. He gives George Pickens the chances that he begs for. It keeps him happy. Deontay loves him. It's a win-win win scenario right now to stick with Mason Rudolph because if you go to Kenny Pickett and he doesn't perform well not only does that look bad for Tomlin and the Steelers as a whole but if Kenny Pickett's time isn't done in Pittsburgh now it would for sure be done if he started a playoff game and stung up the joint this way say Mason plays and we win a game and we lose the next game you can at least go into next season if you want to uh telling yourself okay, it's going to be a competition between Kenny and Mason if he's re-signed and whoever else they bring in. If they go to Kenny and he blows it, that's it for Kenny. If they start Mason and he struggles to a point where the Steelers are still alive and they can put Kenny in and he can save the day, great. But if it never comes to that, it never comes to that. You know, the, the, the ball is, I find it perfect that Tomlin uses the phrase, the ball's in Mason's hands because the ball is completely out of Kenny Pickett's hands right now. He just has to do what's asked of him as a two and, and sit patiently. I, I don't think his time in Pittsburgh is done because he's no. he's under contract. But right now, as we sit here in 2024, the year of our Lord, and the Steelers are the seventh seed of the playoffs, yes. Mason Rudolph is the quarterback. Yeah. He earned it. Yeah, absolutely he earned it. You can't – how do you go away and play a guy who hasn't played since that Cardinals game? like a month of yeah. football. You can't. You're setting him up for failure. And it's not like he has the track record of experience that, you know, Mason went out there and our first game was a two touchdown game. He threw a touchdown in this, in this sloppy environment. How about the quick slant, by the way? <laughs> and, oh, they love a, that, dude. They love that. They've hit that like four times this year, that deep, deeps. I struggle calling it a post because it's so like flat, but it's yeah. so deep down the field. It's like a really, really deep slant. But yeah, yeah. Pickens just scored on it. 
three times, twice. Deontay scored on it. So, yeah, it's, it's an effective route for them. Did I see that the Steelers have the most touchdown plays of 70-plus yards with, like, five of them? And I think Mason is accounted for three, maybe? Maybe in the already? past, like, few weeks. I think yeah. the, the Dolphins, there was a, a stat just last night that they led the NFL in, like, what was it over 60 yard touchdown plays? The Dolphins do. Yeah. Maybe it was I mean, like it's a... cherry picked, of course, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Mason's had <laughs> uh, three starts and he had the same amount of starts with a 110 plus passer rating as Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I saw this. I saw yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was numbers. Don't lie. That's a good stat. <laughs> That is some very good company to be, you know, uh, lumped in with their NFL on CBS. Is Mason Rudolph too good now? Is he playing himself? Is he playing himself out of Pittsburgh? Now, there's something interesting that I might, I don't know if I want to touch on that with this show. It's hard to speculate. Let's see what happens. He got them to the postseason. And since he yeah. got them there and this offense looks completely different. Now with one game, Kenny had the offense looking different. And then Mitch Trubisky had them looking entirely different. Um, the I'm one thing you I will... brought that up, Joe, because I think people are very, very, very quick to dismiss the last and only full game Kenny Pickett played without Matt Canada. Correct. We all were whistling Win Dixie out of our assholes when Kenny Pickett beat the Bengals without Matt Canada, and the Steelers finally eclipsed 400 yards of offense. Pat Firemuth went over 100 yards. We're using the middle of the field. Would have had a touchdown on top of that if Deontay didn't drop it in the end zone, and then. The next two weeks, Mitch sucks. And I think it all kind of got blended together. And yeah, it's only one good game, but the last chance Kenny got, he played good. So it's a shame that it's gone down like this for him. But for the betterment of the Steelers, if you're a fan, you can't really you can't scoff at it or be upset because Mason's put us in a spot now where we're alive and we're in the playoffs. And yeah. as alluded to, I feel actually good about this offense at times. Yeah, no, he's made George Pickens look like Randy Moss. Like, you Hell know, yeah. I mean, and Mason's been in the same spot where he lost his, you know, he lost, he lost some time to injury. He did come back. Then he had the whole miles Garrett incident. And then duck starts winning some games. He comes in and he loses his job. He's been in the same exact spot and then, before. And then Mason comes in for duck plays well, gives us a spark against the Jets and breaks his collarbone. Yeah. yeah. There are parallels there to what's going on with Kenny right now and what happened to Mason in the in the beginning of his career because that's one thing as a Mason I won't call myself a Mason hater anymore, but like when I was a Mason hater, I was even quick to mention, listen, that Ravens game he got knocked out in, uh the hit from Earl Thomas, he was 10 of 10 leading up to that. Like he was dicing him up in that game and then that really derailed his uh, 2019 season to mm -hmm. a point where we didn't see him play good again until that Jets game in which he broke his collarbone. Yeah. So sometimes it, the NFL is not a fair league. Sometimes things aren't fair. And um, especially when you're not a first round pick. And as we're seeing right now, even with Kenny being a first round pick, the NFL is not about fairness. And Tomlin's always said, you won't lose your job to injury. But when you're playing as good as a guy is right now, as in as good as Mason is, you have to accept the hand you're dealt with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's what Kenny's going to have to do. I, I was was kind of like hinting at a few weeks ago, like we thought Kenny might come back a game earlier. Uh, I'm going to try and put uh, wrap up a few of the things that you were talking about all together with this. So one was Mike Tomlin being stubborn. 
Yeah, I don't know. The Patriots come into town. The defense kind of laid an egg, let Bailey Zappi just have their way. I know that Trubisky was really bad in that game. That may or may not have gone differently. Same difference if, like, um, so Mason's an emergency quarterback, so he wouldn't have just – he couldn't come in unless Trubisky was hurt when it came to that Cardinals game. Okay, but the Colts game, like, they weren't, like, behind. They weren't, like – and all of a sudden you see it start to slip away. A halftime or after that first drive in the third quarter – I think they make that change and they could win that game. That defense was just left out there, you know, and it's not the full defense. They're just left out there, hang out to dry. Right. Yeah. So I think that would, uh, that would have made, that would have eased things. They would have got to 11 or where's the record at now? Uh, 10 wins. They could have got to 11 wins. They would have had this clinched a lot sooner. And then what? Maybe they could go to, maybe they're in a tiebreaker situation with the Browns. They go to Houston. They're able to play in a dome instead of one of these, you know, crap weather towns like KC or Buffalo. Um, Miami, of course, would have been a nice destination. All that kind of went a little different. Uh, Some other things from this same game, though. Mason, 18 to 20 in this slop, 90% completed passes. That's that's, That's like ridiculous. He had the one that was the bad throw that was nearly picked, and I'm trying to think what the other one was. Was there there was one that was like maybe a little overthrown? He went deep for oh, Deontay, was, maybe. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I got dude, dude. Okay, so on Twitter I mentioned that play, and I was as like neutral as I could possibly be. It was a third and one or third and two, and Mason threw it deep to Deontay, George Pickens style, hoping to get the deep shot. It's a little in front of him, doesn't doesn't touch Deontay's hands or anything. I mentioned on Twitter, I'm like. I don't hate the call there. I like the confidence. Uh, it was there, one-on-one coverage, good time in the game to do it. You'd like a better ball, but nothing, not, not too bad. My comments, I just took Deontay's ball. I need what better ball is a good throwing ball. I did, I'm like, dude, everybody, okay. No more Mason critiques from me. That I won't say anything else about the prince <laughs> who's promised, even though I didn't say a word about the almost interception on the first drive. I let that sit. And then when he hucks it down to Deontay Johnson and can play, I say, oh, he won a better ball there, maybe. I got roasted on Twitter for even entertaining the fact that Mason didn't do the right thing there. So, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't like the perfect pass, but it could have been a little bit better. Um, but what people were arguing with with me was that they thought Deontay either lost it or gave up on the play, which is plausible. So I'm not really uh, looking to argue further about it especially because he finished 18 of 20. Like he, he played a great game. Yeah, I agree. And he's been playing, like I said, he's three games. I know 17 points and slop wasn't a, wasn't a whole lot there, but 34 and 30 and 30 could have been more if Najee doesn't slide short of the goal line uh, as well. Just to kill. What was this game. last week? Uh, from last week. Yeah. yeah, yeah last yeah. week's game, they could have scored even more. This one, of course, no, they, they played this pretty much to perfection, chewing the clock. There was, I mean, the coaching is in sync. I'm liking what's going on with Eddie Faulkner and Mike Selva, and you could tell that they actually tailored this game plan to try and, you know, work with what works best for Mason Rudolph. You could tell, like, from these touchdown plays that they've tweaked some things in the playbook. You can't overhaul the whole thing. The it run reminds plays- me of the Super Bowl 40 offense with young Ben. Like, you know, he's really good at uh, play action good at attacking the middle of the field and going deep when the defense allows it. Uh, the run game is, is phenomenal. It's, it's very similar. I believe to the early days of big Ben Steeler offenses where we're not asking Mason to throw it 30, 40 times a game, just enough to 
take what the defense gives you, take some shots, protect the ball. But the offense primarily is running through Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. And at a perfect time, because you just mentioned uh, going to play a playoff game in poor weather conditions, probably, maybe not a downpour like versus Baltimore, but Buffalo is probably going to be cold and snowy. And what a better time to have arguably the best rushing attack in the NFL. The Steelers have found their footing, pun intended, at a perfect time because I think the formula to beat the Bills is right there in front of their face. Keep doing what you've been doing these past three weeks. Don't change it up. Don't get cute. Don't ask Mason to go out there and win it for you. Do what you've been doing these past three, four weeks, and you give the Steelers a really good shot to win because the Bills also aren't very good against the run. So it's like perfect for what's going on right now in Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're missing some guys they've been missing throughout the year. They've had to go through their own attrition. As you said, Josh Allen is good for a few picks here or there. He reminds you so much of Ben Roethlisberger in those ways, not only from a extending plays, but just slinging around the field. And eh, whoever does, ends yeah, up, I've always said that whoever ends up with the ball, whatever, you know, more often than not, it's going to be, you know, the guys wearing the same color uniform, but not always. So uh, that's very true. Um, the running, the, the, the running game, as you alluded to, Najee Harris finishes over the century mark with 1,035 yards, eight touchdowns on the ground. Um, no touchdowns receiving. Uh, nor did Jalen Warren, which is actually kind of surprising from like, you know, the year before. But uh, Warren did add to his uh, 784 yards rushing and four touchdowns with, um, let's see here, 370 yards receiving off of uh, 61 receptions, believe it or not, which uh, puts him in line to be second on the team. Now, here's you talk about numbers. 61 receptions on the year, second to George Pickens, who had 63. Jalen Warren has 370 yards receiving. George Pickens has 1,140. <laughs> so a lot different, uh, the chain moving. Uh, Deontay ends with 51 for 717, so he's second in yardage. And you got a lot of guys with like some uh, loose change found in the couch, such as Allen Robinson, Pat Fryermuth, who dealt with injuries throughout the year, uh, Connor Hayward, um, and Calvin Austin actually surprisingly ends up with like 17 catches, 180 yards, has found himself as a little gadget player. Good playing on special teams. He had a nice return. Godwin Egwebuke. I'm actually going to say his name and try and say it right. Deserves all the recognition in the world for one of the more heads up plays I've ever seen. Because this ball is like rolling. You're like, okay, Justin Tucker, did he just like screw up? Is this going to roll out of bounds for a penalty? And you get the ball out to the 40. And all of a sudden it's like, Godwin, not Gunner, not Gunner, Godwin. What you doing, buddy? He like slows down, puts his Beat out of bounds, lays out, stretches, and then touches the ball. And it was like, that was absolutely beautiful. Either Danny Smith and or Godwin, both of you, like, deserve, like, a game ball for that because that was just, that was awesome. Smartest and, thing I've ever seen on a football field. Like, and, the smartest yeah. thing. The ball, the ball gets down near the, near the out of bounds line. I'm saying to myself, grab it. Do something with it. Don't let because I was starting to worry about the Ravens running down and grabbing it because it's a live ball. Like it was taking that long. It felt like an eternity that the ball was sitting there on the television screen. Then he slides out of bounds and grabs it. And I'm like, what did he just do? It almost it almost explains how uh Gunnar Oshevsky like lost his mind seemingly <laughs> a couple weeks back and he did like the toe tap 
thing. Oh my with the god! Ball. Yeah, I think he was thinking he was going to try to do the out of bounds thing, but he just totally screwed it up. And yeah, what you saw from Godwin Iguabuke Iguabuke was that um just an incredible incredible display of football intelligence and high football IQ. Uh, yeah, I don't know who to assign the credit or who to give the flowers to if Danny Smith actually goes over that kind of thing or Igwe Buke just knew that and remembered from his prior times being a return guy. But to put your team on the 40-yard line in those conditions and that important of a game, can't say enough about it. Yeah, well, I will say enough about Presley Harbin. First punt, 34 yards only to the Ravens, 19. Um, and then you have Stout with the Ravens who kicks one, 64 yards right after that. It's like, why Why can't we have nice things? And I know people, we've even talked about it, and we've said, well, they keep Harvard around because he's the holder, and he did, I think he saved that one field goal at the end that iced the game. That oh, didn't look like the best little, snap. A little bad, right? Yeah, a little bumble, a little fumble there. Yeah, so as um, as I'm you know crapping on him, I will give him you know his roses for that as well. Um, a 49 yard punt, so he he like redeems himself the next time that goes to Baltimore seven, and then let's see. But then you, I, I just keep seeing like okay, Stout punts one, it's 59 yards. That one ended up as a touchback. Then Harvin finally gets a 52 yard punt that goes to the 29 because it went from the Steelers 19 to the 29. Okay, that's good. Uh, back him up some get into the second half you had um Calvin Austin like it said he muffed it actually on this one this was the one he kind of uh, he was playing around with it on the ground and then ended up taking it 21 yards anyways but that was a 56 yard punt from the opposition 39 yard punt from Harvin only to the 21 like he has a hard time like pinning people in um yeah. stout hits one uh 57 yards Arvin hits a 46-yarder to the 18. Okay, that one was a good one. So, like, one out of three, you know what I mean? Stout yeah. hits 140 and ends up in the Steelers' 11. The field position game was a battle, and this is when you switched over to the fourth quarter, and, they, like they said, dry ball. Guys are kind of resting on their laurels, third and four on the 29. Maybe they'll just run it up the middle and, and go for a field goal or something here. Uh, they make it like 10, seven and it goes 14, seven with Mason Rudolph finding Deontay Johnson, 71. Oh, I'm sorry. It was on the Steelers 29. My bad. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Get conservative, right? Not go all the way for the jugular. Um, Stout had one that was 40 goes to the Steelers nine. It's like, okay. Presley Harvard kicks one fifty three touchback. <laughs> he just couldn't catch a break and clear difference in the two players is what we're getting at here very much so and that was it and that's kind of been a, a consistent it worries me because of the postseason and i know they're not going to make any kind of change now unless there was an injury with harvin but it's just something where he need you need consistent play out of him if you're going to have to rely on um all these teams qualified you're playing playoff teams now this isn't the time to figure it out so it's good that, you know, Mason's come along. Mason hasn't looked completely bad because they'd be out of it. And that's kind of to your point. Does he earn next year? Does he come back? Do they sign him? He, he got to get that Trubisky money to him. Yeah. You still got a guy under a rookie uh, first-round pick deal with Pickett. So and, and then I'm not completely like, you know, the parallels there. Start, stop and go, stop and go with his career. I'm not completely uh, out on him. But for right now, you roll with the guy who got you there. Mason does terrible here. He might not have a job uh, if he totally. Let's say he gets the they get the doors blown off him. He throws three picks, no touchdowns. 
and it just looks bad, then there's going to be a different perception about that heading into the off season. Yeah. But I think if you had both of these guys in an ideal situation, you have, you know, win or lose Mason, it plays a respectable game. Yeah. And he got you there. They played three of these games on the road to begin with. If he wins another one on the road in another hostile environment, that's going to be insane. And then you really have a conversation, but you can, yeah. but you can bring these guys to battle because my comment, like I said, as I was walking around and talking with people, why not? You still have, I mean, Kenny's only gonna be a third year guy. He's watching Rudolph now. And maybe this is a better, like, Hmm, light bulbs going off. You know what I mean? Stay in the pocket. Uh, look here, not there kind of thing. A different learning experience where Mason got to be under the observe under the learning tree of Ben Roethlisberger. But if both those guys stink next year and you're absolutely pissed off as a user, guess what? They'll finally get that coveted top 10 draft pick that everybody wants in order to get like the fourth best quarterback probably available in the draft at yeah, that yeah. point. Go and get Arch Manning. Start tanking now, brother. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm in favor of that entirely. I've been saying since I want to say since Mason's second start this year that he won. Um, I've been very much in favor of the idea. Get rid of Mitch. We've been on that train. We've been on that train so long. It's we're sleeping over and spending the night on the train. Uh, get rid of Mitch. Try like hell to re-sign Mason Rudolph. And I don't know how those conversations are going to go if they have to if they have to tell him, hey. We're going to call it a competition, but we're going into it with you having the leg up because you finished the year. You've played the best this year. You've earned the right to be the pseudo QB one, but you got to let Kenny compete. He's on the team next year, whether or not you believe in him or not. So you got Mason, you got Kenny and that third guy, not Mitch. I'm thinking they'll either assign a guy like Jacoby Brissett, maybe Gardner Minshew, um, or they, they draft a guy now, not in the first round. That'd be no. crazy. I know there's some fans that want that to be the case, but with where the Steelers are going to pick, you're talking about maybe lucking into a guy like Bo Nix, who is the same thing as Kenny Pickett. He's 24 years old, only had one really good season. Like it, that would just be the same exact scenario. They're not going to get Caleb Williams or Drake may probably not Michael Penix jr. Either. So my, ideal slash most realistic QB room for next year. I know we're way ahead of ourselves, but yeah. I'm thinking it'll be Mason, Kenny, and then either a journeyman who can compete slash start slash push the two of them to compete as in Gardner Minshew, Jacoby Brissett, or they get somebody in like the third or fourth round with a live arm who can come in and provide some kind of competition. I, if they take a guy in the first round, I, I will be flabbergasted surprised. There's there's a zero percent chance they go first round quarterback, unless unless it's just Kenny that they're able to retain because he's the only guy left. Uh, I, I would be shell shocked if they went first round quarterback. So Mason and Kenny, very good chance of being here next year, I think, unless Mason for whatever reason gets offered a huge contract and wants to spite the Steelers. So you got those two. And then either a journeyman or uh, a mid-round draft pick. You got to wonder, money or glory? Now Mason was making four million a year before. He's not making that same ballpark money this season as a QB three. And in fact, he signed on the dotted line like a day or two before Mitch came back. He was probably thinking, "Hey, I'm going to come in and maybe be the backup." And yeah, if the kid in front of me doesn't, you know, do so hot, blah blah blah. Uh, Mason's younger than Mitch Trubisky. 
I think Mitch yeah. is 29, Mason's 28, and Kenny is 26. There's mm-hmm. about almost three years difference separating between Kenny and uh, Mason. Kenny uh, played five years in college, which is a good point, you know, with the large season with the 42 touchdowns. I mean, I, I, still, though, when you don't have to give up anything but your first-round pick for a guy who broke Dan Marino's record, give it a shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. People are and we like, needed a quarterback, too. It wasn't like they just did it willy-nilly. And- we, we needed a quarterback. He's not Zach Wilson. He's not turning the ball yeah. over, but he's not throwing touchdowns either. And it's the reason why you still, you know, Mason, Mason did a very good job of just lighting up the Bengals and saying pretty much, I'm going to make you really doubt as to whether or not you should put me on the bench for the next week. And then he came back out and did the same thing against Seattle. And now he went and got them into the postseason. And it's like this, the whole complexion of the offense has completely changed. I know we're a broken record on it, but you see, even George Pickens, his involvement in this game was Baltimore was going to take him away. And I said, yeah, so what? <laughs> we'll just yeah. we could go somewhere else. It's not like Mason's locked in to like spreading the ball around the seven, eight different guys. He's not that kind of quarterback, at least not yet. But the few that, you know, they try and take away one and that strategy has not been working. You try and shut down the run or creep up. That strategy has not been working. And that's something that's been working. And it's what that's why I said. Let Kenny kind of sit and learn. You don't know what the offensive coordinator situation is going to be. I think he's already been tarnished with Matt Canada and the way things have went this year. And the offensive line is actually playing a little bit better. I mean, Dan Moore, one of those sacks in this game was still 100% on him. But you're going to have that against Baltimore and they're sending blitzes and guys are coming free. But, you know, Mason's standing in there, standing tall, trying to make those plays. It's really respectable, and like I said, you know, guys could joke all uh, like all we want. You know, when I used to joke about Landry Jones, that was a completely different kind of joking. I never had any like grand illusions that Landry should ever start games in the NFL. I'm about halfway when it comes to like Mason, and it's like there's a there's enough doubt in my head that he could grow to be a solid guy. I never had any doubts that he was capable. Um, I always saw it that same way that yeah, he's not been. But this guy isn't out here like you, you see. Um, oh, pick somebody that's backed up for the Patriots that never panned out, like a um, oh a Ryan Millett or somebody like that, or even Brock Osweiler for that matter. Somebody like that. I was like, yeah, he's like you know Mason's not out there like Zach Wilsoning it up. Here's what I don't want to see for next year. I know we're getting ahead of it, but this is like we're all leave it. Jacoby Brissett as a Q. I don't think he's going to sign as a QB three, but he'd be cheap and in that area. Uh, more teams will probably be looking at this due to the emergency quarterback rule that they'll have guys like that. It's going to end up being probably like that Chris Oladokun type thing where they draft somebody like later or another Landry Jones, maybe draft somebody in a fourth round or whatever that just becomes your development guy. It's like a Skylar Thompson in Miami or somebody along those lines is where I really see it. Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, over in Cleveland. That makes more sense to me than trying to get if you bring Mason back and you have Kenny and they're fighting, they're going to be like one, a one B the other guy's got to be a clear three. You don't bring in yeah. like Jameis Winston, for example, uh, because that just muddies the waters. Everybody's going to be doing the same thing. Brian hooting and hollering about. Yeah. That makes more sense. Guy. That makes more sense. Yeah. I, I don't want that kind of competition. I just want a two horse race. Two horse. That's it. Like the, you saw what happened with the three headed monster. And then he went with the guy that had the most experience. He had the board draft pedigree and it didn't do them any favors last season. And in fact, they were in the same kind of situation where uh, this year they made it last year. They just barely missed. Like we said, one game out of 250, whatever the hell I said earlier, 
that they hadn't been in contention. So a uh, hell of a job by Mike Tomlin. Now we got to get on the Kyle Brandt train of when does Mason Rudolph get into this comeback player of the year <laughs> award kind of thing. Screw Joe Flacco. Nobody cares <laughs> about that guy. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm be- I'm begging. I'm dreaming. I'm hoping. I'm praying for uh, Brown Steelers AFC Championship game. I don't know if the I don't know if it'll work out like that because of matchups, but I would love nothing more to see Joe Flacco again, dude. I come on, Joe, one last ride. Give us what we want. You know what? That would happen. Um, you got Buffalo first, wild card round. Your divisional round, Steelers being the lowest or the bottom seed, would have to go to Baltimore for another rematch mm-hmm. and play in Baltimore. And, it, you know, strange bedfellows, you know, if they could do it against Buffalo, now these are teams that are um, Baltimore and, and Pittsburgh. They know each other, and we've seen the track record that the Steelers have had. I know it's going to be a little different. Odell Beckham doesn't scare me. Zay Flowers does. You know, Roquan Smith does, Marlon Humphrey does, Lamar Jackson does. Kyle but, Hamilton. Yeah, and they're going to have Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook doesn't scare me either. If yeah. he rips off like some type of LeGarrette Blunt with the Patriots years ago, type of playoff run, all the all the better to him. But right now, I highly, I kind of feel like he's washed. Yeah. Um, but you never, know. So. you never know with situation and whatnot. But yeah, Minnesota took a pass on that pretty quick and a team in need. So uh, we shall see. Anyways, we're up against it. And I lost my other train of thought on that. But anyways, it could happen. I, that game would be in Cleveland. That would be insane. Yeah, but we're the last team Joe wants to see. You know that. We're the yeah. ones. He's looking at that playoff grid, and he's like, okay, I can handle the Chiefs. Yeah, all right, the Bills, Dolphins. Don't want to see the Steelers. Like, he still has nightmares of Troy Paul and Lolo, I'm sure. Those colors are still the same, baby. Yeah, and the winner of that game, Houston. And, and again, the Browns don't have, like, an easy, like, slate there either everybody's gonna look and say oh well they played Hugh they just beat up Houston a couple weeks ago with an asterisk so Houston didn't have what they didn't have Will Anderson or CJ Stroud in that game so that'll yeah, be the Browns are on a magical ride for sure yeah. just like us in a weird twist of fate we're both on magical rides here so who's gonna be the first to fall off the carpet <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry man on sinuses this weather like it could go away anytime soon I've been very nasally. I apologize to everyone. I've been muting. Zach's been hearing me cough, I think, because I've been hu- I've been trying to mute the mic, and hopefully it didn't pick up too much. So, Zach, it's good to have you back, buddy. Um, I really wish like I was able to do some of the post games immediately after like these Mason wins. These Saturday games have been like just. I kind of like it in one way. I have my my Sunday. It's kind of free. It's like oh, yeah, but yeah. although it wasn't that way really because I had to watch that tennessee and jacksonville game like my eyes were glued to that so and steelers fans there there were steelers fans in the stands in tennessee down in nashville terrible towels and all put uh root for the titans how awesome is that, that i wouldn't expect any less i mean they go to a game that's totally not even a steelers game to pull for somebody that needs the win for the steelers and the jaguars last thought that is why you don't disrespect the terrible towel so we try to the tell you it's real yeah to warn you buddy it happens to everybody that's why i want to see the browns because they're they're the last name on the terrible towels hit list yes. from this year that uh, showed disrespect it's coming would that be like the most wild thing in the world and i'm like put i'm way putting the cart before the horse you're saying <laughs> afc title game steelers go all the way to the super bowl it means they will have won two more games and uh rematches in the afc north on the oh, way yeah. there 
And the AFC North itself, I mean, they're five and one. That would have been like, that would be like seven and one, which would be insane. And then um, the entire division, first in NFL history, I think you got to go back into the 1930s. There was like an NFL West for the first time at every team. Like Bengals fans are looking at this and they're like, well, we missed the playoffs, but we won nine games and we won them with Jake Browning. So they still think there's a foundation. There is a tough, tough, tough division to go five and one in when they all, for the first time ever, no one's done this. So it's the best division in sports. That's why you still got to, you still have to give credit to Mike Tomlin and the way that, you know, Kevin Colbert before Omar Khan and the way they've crafted this roster. Hats off to him. My name's Joe. His name's Zach. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe, folks. And we'll be back later this week with a little bit of pre-gaming. What on earth is going on? You're like Brian over here. How'd I do that? You see that? Yeah. Balloons come up. I don't <laughs> know. Weird. That was I, I, I. Brian tries to always mess around and do crazy stuff like that. So I have no clue. Anyways, I tried to stay away from that. I'm just very vanilla with the. You know, you've seen all of you. All of you have seen what our graphics department is capable of and it's basically that <laughs> which is it <coughs> it's not 100 percent true because i designed the other stuff that's on here too but that's all the more time i got for stuff like that i'm losing my voice my name's joe his name's zach <laughs> until next time everyone we encourage everyone out there to be safe be good and we'll catch you later we would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website www.steelcityunderground.com 